Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. And I'm Naomi Lopian. Thank you for your company. Together, we're going to tell you why we believe Jewish mothers, every home should have one. Well, not actually Jewish mothers. Somebody who is the emotional epicentre of a house. Someone who is the go-to um, sounding board for moans, gripes, complaints and just general advice, really. And vice versa. Somebody who listens to our advice and who takes it whether they like it or not. We're here to give it. So there you see, like a good broom that you keep under the stairs, to have somebody who's like the Jewish mother in your home can enormously elevate your life. We want to mother you. We want to smother you. But we're also aware that there's an enormous amount of wisdom that come from being Jewish mothers. So let's tell you a little bit about ourselves, first of all. My name's Angela Epstein. I'm the wrong side of 50. I'm a journalist and I have four children. Well, I'm Lynn Dover and I'm on the same side of 50 as Angela, but I think it's the right side of 50 because, because um, I feel like I've achieved things. Um, and I too have four children and a husband and lots of jobs and like to make things and create things. Absolutely. And uh, I too am on the same side of 50 as the girls. And I keep saying, if young only knew and if old only could, I like my old self, but I could do with a bit more youth to be, to enjoy the old self that I'm so comfy in. I'm the mother of four girls, maybe four more Jewish mothers to be. <laughs> Fabulous. And um, I'm very happy to and excited to share this podcast with you all. Where did that phrase come from about being old and new? Si jeunesse savait, si vieillesse pouvait. Uh, oh, so it's Irish. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's French and um, the author escapes me and that is my age. Oh, so that's okay. Come back to you with Don't that. worry it about it. sophisticated though in French. It does sound sophisticated because you've got, you should really explain why you've got that amazing accent unless you're putting it on. No, uh, the amazing accent is uh, my, I grew up in Munich and Germany till the age of 13 and uh, I met these girls when I came over here in 79 so we've been lifelong friends friends ever since that's right so we have between us we worked out 42 years of friendship we have 96 years of marriage it's Jewish tradition not to count the number of children you have is that a superstitious thing you say nished first and then the number of children Yiddish for no (laughs) so so if somebody has say 10 children my womb couldn't live up to that it would have sort of been waving a white flag my boss one of my bosses used to say it's like blowing up an old balloon the more often you do it the easier it is Is that the conception or is that the child delivery? I think it might. He might have been referring to the child delivery. And notice it was a he. He didn't have to do any of the delivering. But just saying. So just the, so we want to flag up early on that when we say that we believe every home should have one, it's not because we, as Jewish mothers, are the fountain of knowledge and the font of all great sources of information is because we have been brought up by strong Jewish women. We know lots of friends and colleagues who've had a strong Jewish mother in their life. Um, And as the old phrase goes, you don't have to be Jewish. But it's the idea of bringing together all the characteristics that we've learned from being stewarded by a Jewish mother that we hope will give you something in your life, give you some of the things that we've learned, some of the wisdom that we've gathered. Uh, Noemi just mentioned a moment ago some incomprehensible phrase in French. 
French. <laughs> and uh, I, my mum used to have lots of, of phrases that I carry and use, these pieces of, of individual pieces of wisdom. So she used to say, for example, you win more wars with honey, which meant that, you know, if you have an argument, not that we would ever argue, no, would we? we wouldn't. We wouldn't argue. Um, then uh, you'd get more if you just sort of try and sweeten the situation. Um do you think, though, that Jewish mothers have had um, a bit of a bad rap when it comes to what characterises and stereotypes as us? I think a little bit. I think if you think about um, Jewish mothers recently portrayed, you've got the BT from the um, British Telecom adverts, who was quite endearing, actually. Didn't get a bad rap, but was a neurotic um, individual who, who was a completely obsessed with their children. I think that's definitely an element of being a Jewish mother. And um, more recently, you've got Jackie from Friday Night Dinner, who was also... <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> Jackie. Um, who was also the epicentre of the household, always trying to um, steer the family in various mad directions. And I think steer is a good word, isn't it? I'd say Jewish mothers are often quite bossy and uh, have have ideas for their children very well-meaning it comes from a place of love but uh, they're very often ambitious for their children and and therefore because of their ambition interfere but they don't mean to be any of that and therefore are perceived rightly and wrongly um, as as, in, as often in a negative sort of way but um, there is lots of positivity that it's a place of love and a, a place of nurture and uh, we can certainly listen and mm. learn to change and we're trying to be the new generation of Jewish mothers, Absolutely. we hope. Well, I think, I mean, the thing is that we are flawed, exhausted, overburdened women. Um, we're probably on the one hand the least qualified to tell you about anything that's potentially wise or some takeaway wisdom. I mean, some of the stereotypes, I don't know what, what comes to mind when you think of stereotypes like, um, Lynn, you, you know, we talk about Maureen Littman and the ology advert. I mean, part of the turf of the Jewish mother is to say, eat, eat until the food is yeah. dripping out of your mouth. Yeah, I have colleagues at work because I like baking and I, I quite often take it into work who just accuse me of being a feeder. That's what you are, Lynn. You're just a feeder, aren't you? You I can't help yourself. Feeder. I was definitely not breastfeeding at work, that's, I can assure you. You're not breastfeeding um, at work. That's no, a no, that's, I mean, a, that's for a subject for a whole I was gonna different say, podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. 50, mm, at 50, mm, that would be no, a great. No. And having had a hysterectomy, there's no danger of that. Can you not do both? Well, you're not going to be pregnant, are you, if you've had No, I suppose not. Well, you might be opening the milk bar to others. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So you're, you're known as the feeder <laughs> of the feeder at work. I mean, I don't know about you. Have you had situations where the Jewish mother element has really come into work? Because I remember in one office where they were asking me about chicken soup. And it just became a it became such a thing all the time. So one day I just showed up at work with a huge cauldron and said, OK, here's the soup. Drink eat have it you know and you feel quite good about I'm that. not as good as either of you in, in in feeding somebody else I like to be fed and I was fed by two Jewish mothers one my own mother and one my dear mother-in-law who I adored so I went there myself to be nurtured and be fed by those women um, but I feed people I'd like to think with my philosophies or and give it them whether they want to or not so I suppose I also do a bit of force I, I did know a friend some friends of ours um, had a grandmother who was known in the family as grandma force feed <laughs> so uh, that was actually yeah and that that's a, that's true and uh, it just shows that it is a sort of 
it is one of the characteristics of Jewish mothers is wanting to make sure everybody feels full up and comfortable and well. And it's true, yeah. but it's all done, uh, you know, as Naomi said, through the prism of love. And, and I remember speaking to somebody, she was actually the lady behind the desk at the local nail bar. Yes, I know, life in the hard shoulder. And, um, and she was telling me she, I think it may be her mother-in-law had passed away or whatever. And one of the things that had happened was they went to empty the house and the freezer was crammed with yeah. food. And so what they, what do you do with it? Is it a bit spooky to eat it? Or do you make a, do you sell, I don't know if you've come celebrate across this. Life. Or celebrate it. So they would defrost a meal and they would enjoy memories of that, that yeah, person. That's a tribute. It is. And, and we'll probably, you know, we'll talk about food amongst and other things. I think things. everyone will respond differently some people will be spooked by it and some will be and it depends in what circumstances the person I think it depends how you remember the person as well I think I think the age of the person Mm, etc absolutely I mean your late mother-in-law lived till 94 and how many can we are we allowed to count the great-grandchildren how many not did she have I think a hundred wow she had a hundred great-grandchildren so how did that maths work was she married and had how many kids she had six kids and uh the one kid had nine kids and uh, wow. four kids and five kids and etc. Yeah, so the kids had a lot of kids. Did you ever have a family photo with everybody? No, we did not That's with the great grand. That is a shame. Mm. And no. did she remain the Jewish mother, the one she to be? She really was matriarchal because she was so wise. She was somebody that drew everybody to her. And that was by not asking people to come to her. She had that magic ah, touch. Ah, so that's she wisdom didn't demand. One. She yes. didn't demand. Because in this in the podcast, and we hope you'll stay with us over, over you know the coming episodes, is that when we say we want every home to have a Jewish mother, what we really mean is to have the best bits, the takeaway bits. You may not want to feed people until the food is dripping out of their <laughs> mouths, but we want the takeaway wisdom that we've been fortunate enough to have. I mean, so you're. I mean, I love the fact that that your your late um, mother-in-law didn't say you've got to come around every Sunday afternoon at three o'clock so how so how did she make because a lot of parents I think or grandparents say I don't want to be invisible how do I make them love me so how did she how did she achieve that exactly not not asking to make them love me by not even having that sort of thought at the forefront it was more in the subconscious and being interested in the person that came to see her so rather than life being about me 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 what I'm doing which is common in elderly because their world sort of dramatically reduces she was actually really interested in the person that came to see her i think that is the, the essence of just being <laughs> interested in other life. people so take away wisdom number two listen listen to other people and be interested and ask them about themselves absolutely i I'm, i don't know about you youtube i've been thinking about how the Jewish mother in my life has shaped me and actually very much motivated why we're here today and want to, to talk about being um, Jewish mothers. I mean, the comedian Jackie Mason used to describe stereotypical Jewish mothers as parents who've become so expert in the art of needling their children have honorary degrees in Jewish acupuncture. Oh, but uh, but that isn't really what I think of when I think of my late mum. You know, I think of somebody who encouraged me to be a good person basically and I know it sounds like tea towel philosophy but she just said 
you know, you can't build your happiness on somebody else's misery was one of her favourite expressions. She was brought up in um, in the Cheatham Hill area of Manchester. Her um, parents were both um, immigrants, one from Russia, one from Kiev. Um, my late grandfather came at 17 by himself and he met my grandmother in the, in the house where he was boarding. Um, and she was brought up with an indomitable Yiddish-only speaking grandmother who lived in the front room. Now, I knew the great... My, my great-grandmother was a Yiddish-only speaking, and I actually knew her. Did you her. know her? Yeah. So mm. what sort of things did you take away from her? What was your impression of her as the she, Jewish mother? She had a whole selection of extremely rude Yiddish phrases <laughs> that she used to oh, roll tell out. Us, Lynn, yeah, tell, tell us, Lynn. No, phrases. I can't. I don't tell us, tell us a mild one. one. Oh, I, um... I'm trying to think. And she has to say, involve the word tochus, surely. Yes, it does. Which is it Yiddish does. How did you know? Ain't tochus happens fair ridden means you can't have one bum in two places. Oh, okay. That was one of her favourites. Wisdom number three. We're, we're okay. really firing out, even at this initial stage, we're firing out the takeaway wisdom here. So tell us again in Yiddish. Ain't tochus, one bottom. Ain't tochus. Happens fair ridden means in two right places. In two places. Ah, okay. Oh, and I know the be... same saying in Yiddish, man kann nicht auf zwei Hassenes tanzen. You can't dance well, you've got the clean. You've got the clean version. You have to say that one again. That sounded so amazing. You can't dance at two weddings. You can't be in one place. Oh, you can't be in two places at the same time, basically. Yeah. So I think these my my this was my great grandmother was someone who also came over from Telts in Lithuania and um, lost got had married had three girls and. Her husband died very young and she had to bring up these three girls um, oh my goodness. Uh, uh, by herself. And how did she how did she survive sort of financially? She, what did had she a do? little deli. She used these to pickle women... her own cucumbers and make her own cream cheese. So these are the women that have shaped us. But you you're a bit of a cucumber pickler yourself, I am. are you? I, I am mean, what indeed. you do must be genetic. Lynn, I mean annoy me and I, I must try a pickle yeah. cucumber of yours. Give me yeah, the recipes, no matter what the cucumber. I've got some in the fridge. She hasn't, and she makes damson gin. I mean I think because there's I mean what you just said about your grandmother. There seems to be a theme where the, these women weren't feminists. It wasn't feminism. It was survival, wasn't it? Was it was survival. It was really them. survival. Because your mum had an entirely... Noemi, your mum had an entirely different experience, my a mom, world away from ours. True. And my mum was also became widowed when we were young, 12. I'm the eldest of three, 12, 11. My sister and my brother, seven. And she brought us up single-handedly. Not only that, as you've heard by my accent, and I told you I lived in Munich, my mother moved us twice uh, the year that my dad died in 78, once within Munich we moved and then a few months later we moved from Munich to Manchester, which was a very, which saved us really because the Manchester community and our experience with particularly of the Jewish community was so warm. It was day and night from the German community. It was really a totally different experience. But your mum, your mother's experience as a Jewish mother, um, we, I mean, we, it was shaped you know. by a very extraordinary oh, set that of circumstances. That it's a big that, <laughs> Noemi. The that it's a big the that. that. The that is what I wanted to forget today on the podcast. But how can I? It lives with me, and Angela and Lynn both know. Um, my mum was a ten-year-old girl um, when she was sent away by her parents uh, in May 1944, when she lived in the southwest of France, which was then invaded by the Nazis. 
Uh, my mum was five at the outbreak of war in 1939, and uh, you can see my mum's story if you Google Renée Bornstein. She has it in her French tea for two at the French embassy, or you can see her through the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust. And to this day, um, when my mum speaks, which was encouraged 10 years ago, actually, by you, Angela, because Angela is very inquisitive and she asked... She means nosy. It's the posh <laughs> word for nosy. Your mum must have a story. And I was thinking, my mum must have a story. I'm not sure. I always heard snippets and I thought it was my mum's parents and further back. But when I inquired, yes, my mum did have a story. And you know what? She never even told my dad her story. This is what makes me sad to this day. But your dad was a, uh, that was again the protective Jewish mother, mother. wasn't it? Because yes. your, your father was a Holocaust survivor. survivor. And, and she was protective. And she, right. even though she had to be hidden from the Nazis and she, she had this whole traumatic experience, which, as you say, is a whole conversation in its, its own, own right, which yeah. I hope we're going to uh, bring Renee in on another yeah. week. Um, but that was the Jewish protective mother, wasn't it? She was, it? and she was very nurturing. I mean, I never appreciated my mum's food. Now I long for it, but now it's difficult for her. She's, bless her, 87. She won't mind me telling you. Aww. But she was the most amazing baker and the most divine cook. And we went to the local high school, and mum would cook for us twice a day, lunch and suppers. Wow. Which I, learnt, I was a naughty No pot kid. noodles. No pot noodles. <laughs> I turned my nose up at it. I didn't want home-baked. I didn't want home-cooked. I was dying to go to a restaurant. To me, that was the height of sophistication. What would she make? What sort of stuff would she make? Oh, she'd make her soups every day, vegetable soups. She'd bake the most delicious yeast cakes and the Ooh. French tarts. Mm. That my, that my aunt makes to this day, age 90. Every Sunday we go to tea to my mum's older sister and we have wow. apple cake. Really? And when my cousin comes, Jeffrey, we have cream with the apple cake. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> that's another thing about the Jewish mother. And I'm afraid, Bob Brabant, is you're going to have to close your ears because the sons are often... Special. Special. Very, they're you, you whispered that one. <laughs> I did, because I don't are... want my mother to hear. <laughs> We, we all have one of those, yeah. So we have been very much shaped. I mean, that, that's an extraordinary story that your mum's had. We are shaped by these women. And yet their lives their lives are so different to ours. I mean, you, you know, you've been a, a, a GP. You were studying. You were already married with a child when you were studying. And I don't your know mom, how you did that. I don't know how you did that amazing. either. And your, and your mum had a pivotal role in that. My mum had a pivotal role. My mum brought up our eldest daughter, Orly, and I always say she's so much uh, the better off for it. Only that she was brought up by my mum with a lot of nurture and a lot of love. And my mum calls Orly, our eldest daughter, her fourth child. But yeah, without my mum, I certainly couldn't have studied medicine. I was a real swat, girls. I sat in the front. <laughs> and my husband says I would have never met him at uni because he sat in the back and I sat at the front. <laughs> Not only that, Jewish I story. taped lectures. Can you imagine taping lectures and that going quite, over them? Yeah. I was very swatty. Considering <laughs> we were all born in 1846. <laughs> <wasn't I? laughs> but, you know, because you know, Lynn and I, we, our mum, I mean, my mum um, had to work out of necessity. Our, our mum's... Um, we're not professional women, were we? And no. I look at you, you're a, a, a healthcare professional with yep. a highly decorated career. Oh, hardly, but Okay, anyway. I can say it, I can say it. If there's a word in Yiddish, nachas, which means oh, it's nachas more is, than joy, it's, sort it's of the pleasure. Essence the essence of a Jewish mother is the nachas. It's, it's what we nachas. do it for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, to get that it's, pleasure. Yeah, intense. it's absolutely to, to enjoy the reflected glory. Oh, so mm, your mum must get a lot of nachas well, from you being... You'd a, have to ask her that. But, but oh, yeah, yes. but your, your mum... <laughs> 
we get it. But our mums were not professionals in themselves. I mean, we're, I don't think women were encouraged in, in that in that generation. I know that my mother may well, if he, she'd had the same encouragement to that as I had, and we could have done it. I went to a school where it was um, you were. Posh Always, school. yes, it was a posh school, and I was lucky enough to 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 go there. Uh, and she's flushing. I am furiously flushing. about going to school yeah. five hundred years ago. Yeah, but it, <laughs> you but, see, Jewish but, mother. But it was it was a, a school where um, women were told they can do anything, and that previous generations weren't told that. Yeah, absolutely. and of course we can, and we saw it just by the example of your great grandmother. What you said, yeah. she got on with it. She worked hard, and and. You know, I do but believe. I, I also think that it's to our detriment a little bit because, not to our detriment, that's probably the wrong word, but we are expected to do everything these days. And that's quite hard. So we're expected to put the Shabbos dinner on the table and work. and work and look after the children and be there to pick them up from school and do the homework and everything. And that is quite a pressure. On and is that, but days. do you think that's this generation? Do you think, I mean, Noemi, you know, you're a, a, a mum, but you're also a grandma. Mm. So do you think that it's going to be... I'm a relic. She's a relic. <laughs> He's a relic of a bygone age. Relics. We should buy tickets to come and look at her. Um, but, you know, it, it, things will be different from I know. Well, they in. are. I've got two married children, uh, boys, and both those boys are the main cooks in their <gasps> households and, and and they it's Oxygen. different for them altogether the women their wives and it's much a much more equal arrangement yep. and that is only to their credit and their wives credits for but actually few you mentioned the wife's credit and think you're becoming a typical mother in no, 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 my, my poor son my poor son i'm not dwelling on how much i love my boys uh, but uh, yeah that's why we didn't they, we didn't call true. the podcast jewish mother-in-laws why everyone should have one. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, a fire there. extinguisher it's under the stairs but you hope you won't need it <laughs> yeah. but the thing is that they do it, help more the couples are more equal now better, and, and they should be yeah yeah Absolutely. And I think the thing is what what we hope in, in the coming weeks of our podcast is is to show that it's a bit of a movable feast, the, the wisdom of the Jewish mother or the things that we learn as being a Jewish mother, that um, that the next generation, you know, also I have a daughter-in-law. Um, Noemi, you've got a daughter-in-law as well. No, mm. you haven't. I'm talking rubbish. You've got son-in-law. Yeah. But um, you've got in-laws where it's it's all equal. But essentially... Jewish mothers, if you like, are sort of like the forerunners to therapists. And I think that's what mm. we're trying to achieve with this is that um, we're, we're trying to bring out some of the, those nuggets of, of, of wisdom. Because, I mean, the thing is that Jewish mothers can't bear to think if they have been neglectful in any way, that your emotional needs Correct. are. And do you think that's where we've sort of, at least historically, created a bit of a rod for our own back? Because, you know, we do everything. Ask a busy person if you want something doing. Uh, yeah, my mother said, or used to say when I first got married, you'll make a rod for your own back. That was the exact phrase she used. Did and she I really? Think, yeah. Because my mum said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it's, you know, we're all, uh, we're all free to do what we want. Um, and nobody's forcing us to do what we're doing. And we all, no. on the whole, and I know that I feel blessed in so many ways that I am so lucky to um, have such wonderful children and a wonderful husband, if you're listening, Jonathan. <laughs> and I'm just very, I feel blessed in a lot of ways, but I do feel tired mm -hmm. and that I work very hard. Yeah, in yeah. fact, Lynn, you wanted to call the podcast I'm Tired. So big, <laughs> so big, yeah, which I just sort of, uh, sort of sums it up. So 
I suppose what we're sort of trying to say to summarise, you know, as we start on this journey of, of looking at Jewish mothers and why we want to Jewish mother other people is not you need that there's anything wrong if you are a mother who isn't Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're not a mother. You might be a father, you might be a nephew, you might have a hundred kids, you may be, that family's not your thing. It's more about the wisdom and what we have and the excavated. Yes. of the Jewish mother. And the being warmth, the anchor the nurturing, within the household the anchor, exactly. the, and the go-to person for problem solving. Yeah. And it's really a strength, really. Ultimately, it's the Jewish mother who holds the household mostly together. I know that might sound cliche, but I think it's mostly women who yeah, the are glue. the spirit and the soul and of the home. How does she do that, though? I mean, how do we get ourselves in a position where... The Jewish mother is in that well, situation. One of, one, one of the ways I do it is I am a complete control freak. So <laughs> I like to, I can't bear watching people in my kitchen doing things more slowly or badly. So I have I'm to do it. I'm making a list here. So it's so control free. Yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> I free, hold my hands up and at home. I, and how many times are you the person that is asked, where have you put my? Yes. Because um, you are the person that will have put my whatever it was away so you'll know where it is but don't you think because you're the doer you also then ultimately become the fixer yes and and therefore people will turn for you to fix their problems be it physical ones and ultimately the spiritual or the you know and the ones. physical ones for sure I have a Black & Decker drill in the toolbox <laughs> in my house she's and amazing and I'm the one that uses it so I Absolutely. am the physical but fixer for sure in she's house. very good you with her drills I can vouch for make, it exactly make bread and make jam and do all the stuff. It's amazing. We, I, can't have have um, I think oh, the most important it. thing Definitely is that, that everything that we say on our podcast comes with love and we it's and if we nag and if we scold and if we uh, we talk to somebody in a way about sort of how they can make things better. It's all done with, with a, a desire to make the world a kinder, a warmer place. And that's why we want to bring our, our Jewish motherness to you. I would finish by saying, what do you think is the best and worst thing about about your character as a Jewish mother? Mm, my character, at the moment, my stage of life, I'm a bit impatient. So that's the worst of it. Because my kids say you preach kindness all day and you don't show it at home. So I have to improve, <gasps> Ooh, listeners. We need yes. a podcast on, on kids. <laughs> hashtag kids, hashtag kindness. And the best thing about me, well, listeners, I leave that for you to tell me one of these days <laughs> and my friends. She's a good friend. And I think She's the other, I would friend. say what the thing that my mum taught me um, is um, be a good friend. M- let people want to be with you. Um, don't you know don't advance yourself at the expense of somebody's suffering um, and just and the other thing she used to say is make your mess while you've had your beer if you've made a mess acknowledge it and I hope um, that makes me a, a good Jewish mother what makes me a bad one is um, like Noemi I'm impatient and um, I think I over love too much and um, I sometimes think well I, I don't just want to sort of make you feel better i want a solution um but hopefully Mm. as we go through this journey together we'll find a way to be better people as well and i had the privilege of knowing angela's mother and she is exactly as she says she is she was absolutely wonderful a really really wonderful woman thank you Um, and yeah the good parts of being a jewish mother are the nachas 
And yeah, I, yeah, I get a lot of knackers from my children. And I am a control freak. I admit it. There we are. I feel <laughs> so better so, the way, so thank you for listening as we Jewish mother you on the Jewish Mother Me podcast on our, on our maiden journey. And I would say we hope you've had the takeaway wisdom that we've given, that we've learned ourselves. Don't build your happiness on somebody else's kindness. Um, be, be the kind of person that want, people want to see. Don't force someone to come around and see you if they don't want no, to come. No, exactly. Um, and, and just sort of, we hope that the, the, some of the wisdom that we've shared with you today um, will help you be a happier and, uh, and you know, more settled person. And do join us soon. And thanks for listening. Thank from you. Angela, Naomi and Lynn. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.